Okay, we're taking a break from our Lutheran bodies in North America. I said for for at least two Sundays. Uh, after I looked at this, I think I was going to take three. <laughs> uh, even then, you're going to be clamoring for more. But uh, we're going to finish our other one as well. So anyway, we're on Luke chapter 1 and 2 is what we want to start taking a a look at. These are the uh, infancy narratives, um, which include not only Jesus, but we're going to see it also involves John. Luke chapter 1, you've got your sheets in front of you, here's the way it starts. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. (coughs) This is the beginning of Luke's Gospel. Um, He's going to take in hand... uh, He wants to give us a narrative. He wants to give us a history of exactly what happened, where, and with what people. In fact, with most of these uh, accounts, he begins right off the bat, just like a historian, and he gives us the person, the places, and the time, so that you might put it into a, a context. But it's more than just a history. It's a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. What does that let you know? It's already happened. It was prophesied. It was prophesied. This history, this isn't just. It's a history of things that were told us beforehand. As we begin the New Testament, it's not just new like uh, we're starting off, but it's new because... It's the fulfillment. We're going back to the Old Testament. So we, Luke is connecting these two together. And everything that he's going to tell you is about fulfillment. We should have seen it coming. It was foreshadowed ahead of time. But now, here are the fulfillment of those things. Luke says that uh, there were those, he describes them as, Eyewitnesses. Who, who are those? Apostles. Apostles. Um, well, well, who's Luke then? Is he not an apostle? Is he one of the twelve? No. Well, what's this doctor getting involved in this? Uh, I suspect they've come to him because he's going to be a learned man and they're looking for somebody to write this down who can be uh, respected because of their their status. Very good. He has been converted. 
Uh, he has come. He is a learned man and has played a, a, a high role even within his vocation as a layman. Not to, you know, you don't put that down. Um, and he's also spent some time with uh, Paul, with Mark, with the, you know. Um, we can take a look in the Book of Acts, where which happens to be another book that Luke wrote. But he's saying, listen, there were others. I'm not one of those. There were the apostles, eyewitnesses. There are those who may not be apostles, but like Timothy and Titus and Barnabas and some of these others, were ministers of the word, those that follow after in it. And guess what? Uh, they've delivered these stories to us. Luke says, I'm just writing them down. Uh, it seemed good to me also. He says, I've, I've had this perfect understanding of these things to write to you this orderly account and at least this first book is dedicated to somebody, a most excellent Theophilus. Sounds like a, uh, uh, a term of respect, a title, probably someone that has governmental kind of authority and all. And it may be that Luke is also, um, you know, the government's going, hey, what's going on with this group? Um, is this a, a revolution? Is this? No, let me write to you uh, the what this is about. You need to tell them what Theophilus means. City of God, doesn't it? Close. Theo? God? Philus? Philo? What? Lover of God. Lover of God. Hmm. Lover of God. What's the purpose? That you may know the certainty of the things in which you were instructed. So he's already a believer. He's already a believer. He's been instructed in the faith. And now this is concerning the certainty of these things, that it might be written down, that he might know this. Is he not a pastor? <coughs> Do we know of? No. Yeah. Um, what are we going to, what, what would you call this, uh, a writing that's going to give you the account, it's going to instruct you concerning the teachings, Lutherans call this a catechism, exactly, if any of the, uh, uh, Four Gospels is catechetical instruction, it's training, it's teaching. Luke starts off right from the beginning and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to give you some catechesis. We're going to instruct you and teach you concerning these things. And so, this is exactly what he does. In fact, as we go on, there are other words that are... Um, key words that are involved in catechetical instruction. There is uh, having been heard, receiving it from those, there is knowing the certainty, there is also whenever you hear the terms in the instruction in the way. The way. That's a big theme. In fact, one of the very first catechetical instructions called the Didache, um, it's as early as 200 AD, may even be earlier than that, maybe up to 120, who knows exactly, but it begins by saying, 
let me instruct you in the two ways. And so it talks about the way of truth and the way of error. It's similar to the beginning of uh, the Psalms and the Proverbs that talk about the way. So we're going to be getting into that as well. So this is the introduction, and we're going to start off then with the narratives. Any questions about one through four? Uh, yes. This guy's a Gentile. You know what? He began as a Gentile, you bet. Luke is a Gentile, and he was converted to the faith. You know, after you become a Christian, you know, neither Jew nor Gentile, we don't really care, and whatever. But you're right, he is a Gentile, which is unusual, because almost all of the... Yeah, all of them are Jews, and all of the apostles are, are telephone that way. So Luke and Acts, yeah, are written from a Gentile. Good point. So, is this a letter to Theophilus, or in general, and... It doesn't have the beginning and endings. You know, when we think of a letter, it's going to be signed sincerely, it's going to begin, dear so-and-so, there's going to be a stamp on the envelope, a return, and a... You know, Paul does similar kind of stuff with all of his letters... I, Paul, to you, so-and-so, at the end, send greetings or whatever. It doesn't, it's not a letter. It doesn't have those markings. But it is a writing, it is an account, and it's written for a certain person for his benefit. Um, similar to, though, the letters, and similar to the Gospels, it does at some point, become copied by others and, and given. So the letters were written to Galatia, Ephesians, you know, uh, but uh, Paul says to them at one point, he says, make sure you share these. And so others say, well, we'll give you a copy of our letter, you give us a copy of yours, and that's the way the New Testament canon. Similar with the Gospels, we find that, like Matthew being written mainly for the Jews, seems to be set up. Luke's gets written, gets gets passed around. Um, and I want to ask about the name Theophilus. Would that be a name that was given by parents in hopefulness, or a name taken on by a person after... You know they're born and uh, mm-hmm. and 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 perhaps in 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 wishfulness or given by. I mean, I'm thinking of the um, uh, Native Americans who, you know, use names very importantly this way, with a family choosing or with a person's characteristics uh, causing their name. Where do you think that may have come from? Um, we don't. We, there is no other reference to Theophilus anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we, we, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't right. know the answer. Now, that all being said, uh, this is a Greek uh, name. The there had been 400 years prophecy had been silent at the time of the New Testament, pretty well. You know, there wasn't much Hebrew being used. It was all in Greek. Uh, but that all being said, this is definitely a Jewish name. I mean, this is a Jewish person. Um, 
that's all we know. Okay, thank that's, you. That's all we know. I was just going to say about whether it was intended by Luke just for Theophilus or for the whole church, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so we know what God intended it for. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, what do we have? All right, we're going to start off, we're going to hit these interesting narratives. As we go through, um, you need to get a big picture. My red writing didn't come through. But this is the big picture. The big picture is, is that John does this stair-stepping approach. And with each step, it goes higher. You have the birth of John foretold. Then you have the birth of Jesus foretold. Then you have John's birth described. Then you have Jesus' birth described. So with each one, it kind of progresses. John's uh, uh, foreshadows what's going to happen with Jesus. His foretold, then he was. John born, then Jesus is foretold. And yet, in each one of these things, the one that follows after is more important than that which came before. And so it has this kind of stair-stepping approach. You will also note that each one of these has similar themes that go within it. And so you have, and and this is why I brought out my old projector, Um, it, it, uh, it reminds me a bit of John's writings with the book of Revelation, as, as well as his gospel. But what happens is with, with John in the book of Revelation, he starts on a teaching, and he comes back around, and he gets back around to it again, and then he begins it again, and he goes, and again. And what happens is, is we see that he deals with the same themes but it happens in kind of a circular way in which you go back over the same thing, but you go over it at a higher plane. Luke does the same thing, at least with this beginning, in which he goes over things that happens with the foretelling of John, and then you're going to note that there's a lot of the same things going on. There's an angel that tells Zechariah. Well, there's an angel that tells Mary. And then there is the name. Well, then there is the name. And then there is the circumstance. And then there is the circumstance. And it goes back around. But when we get back to it, we realize that there's more, higher, better, greater. So this is what we're going to see. Um, With John, it appears to be a... Theology, I mean, he's just, he's phenomenal. I mean, he just, he soars. Um, I, I think, you know, I could sit at the feet of John for all of my life and never get the theology he has in his little finger. With Luke, I think he's doing something different. Why is he alternating, and why is he beginning with this John Jesus, John Jesus scenario? Well, it's not dissimilar to what the Old Testament does with the type and antitype. You get the the promise to Adam and Eve, 
and you know the promises to Abraham and you frequently get this circling back until you get the realization of the promise but it also is the type and antitype of the, the lesser pointing to the greater which is not realized till the New Testament good mm-hmm. so when we talk about type and antitype <laughs> anti means before that which comes before and then that which is fulfilled same thing what do we have you can simply say Old Testament new, Old Testament new. You can say prophecy shadowed and then it coming to fulfillment. And so at the very beginning, Luke is letting us know that guess what? This is all about fulfillment. This is all about fulfillment. Let's begin. Verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. And so it was that while he was serving as priest before God... In the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angels answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. 
Now, you go over to the second page, and again, the narrative stops, and now it begins with uh, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and we have the birth of Jesus foretold, and the angel Gabriel, and we have the announcement. Uh, There is Mary then going to visit Elizabeth for the last three months, and probably staying until the child is born, and and helping her with the uh, uh, pregnancy. There is then with verse 57, the birth of John the Baptist, and then with Luke 2, there is the birth of Jesus. So you can see this kind of stair-stepping. We'll draw those connections uh, as we go. So, verse 8, how does it start? It starts with a priest in the temple. Good place to start? Sure. Why? <laughs> because this all comes from God. It all comes from God. The, the priesthood was set up in the Old Testament. The place where God was doing his work was that the temple and through the office. And so we're going to begin with uh, the... Uh, where God is doing his work in the Old Testament, and we're going to push forward to the uh, fulfillment of, of those things. Uh, a little explanation. There were lots of Levites. There were lots of those that were priests and that were involved in doing things in the temple. Uh, the morning and evening sacrifice involved prayers, and in connection with the prayers was the burning of incense. The smoke of the incense rose up to God, just as our prayers did. There was the pleasing aroma of it, and it says that God smelled the uh, the pleasing aroma, the pleasing smell of our prayers, and he was pleased with it. Uh, it's obviously foreshadowing uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, who, like a lamb, is is burned up on the altar. Uh, Jesus uh, suffers death for us, but his death is pleasing to God the Father. Uh, you have all of this kind of put together. It may be, we're told, that a priest might never get the opportunity. Uh, it was done by lot, according to Josephus, uh, after the Christ. He tells us that they, they had a, a lottery to determine who was going to get to. While your group was serving at the temple, you might be picked to do this sometime in your life. Uh, Zechariah uh, is old, and, and now he finally gets the opportunity to uh, go in. So, uh, he's going to go inside. The lot fell to him to burn incense, and he's going to go in. When he goes in, there is going to be an uh, appearance of an angel. This was not normal. (laughs) Normally, you went in. There is the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant, there is the holy place. You only go into the most holy place once a year, the high priest. This was the place where the showbread was, the incense was, the other things were. Um, and you would go in there and light the uh, candles, burn the incense. Uh, this is what Zacharias is is doing. 
couple things with this to just kind of give you the, uh, uh, a bit more. That Luke is intending to let us know that we're moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, there's, there's several things going on. One, uh, get your get your Bible out and let us go to Malachi. What book is that? The last book. The book that lets us know the, the day is coming, the day of the Lord. Page 951, Malachi 4 tells us that the day is coming. Get ready. With Malachi 3, we're told that there's going to be a messenger come that's going to prepare the way. Uh, and then suddenly the Lord will come to his temple. So here we have John the Baptist being foretold, Jesus who follows after. When we get to uh, chapter 4, it's the very end of the very last book. It's putting it all together. Uh, it tells us that, that it's finally going to come and get to verse 5. Malachi 4, verse 5. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. The angel Gabriel says he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What's Gabriel letting us know? This is it, right? I mean, it, it is, it's screaming, you know, the last thing that, that you had. This is the first thing that Gabriel wants us to know. We're, you're, you're at that point. You've waited 400 years. It's time. That's not the only one. Uh, go in your Bible to Daniel. Daniel chapter 8 or so, page 883. How many angels do you know in the scriptures? By name. Yeah, how many do you know by name? <laughs> Michael and Gabriel. Uh, the Apocrypha includes Raphael. We've got, you know, but Michael and Gabriel. Who comes to Zechariah? Gabriel. Gabriel does. Daniel chapter 8. It is mentioned by name. Daniel 8, verse 15. Uh, there's not many places. This is, you know, one of the very few places. Verse 15, while I, Daniel, was watching the vision, trying to understand that there stood before me one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate, 
Son of Man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. What's a new line? You know, I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I I, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I need to look at that a little bit more. The um, So, when Gabriel appears, he says, I got words, and it's going to be about the end. The end times. Gabriel just appeared again. And what's he telling us? You thought it was the beginning. You thought this was new. When Gabriel appears, he tells us about the end. So which is it? Yes. Yes. So, by the appearance of Gabriel, we know that the end times have come. Yes, we are living in the end times. We've been living in it for 2,000 years. This is it. This is the fulfillment. There's nothing else. When we say the end times, it does mean that that the Lord can come back at any time. Why? Because it's all been done. It's all been fulfilled. Everything's there. And so, there's nothing left to reveal. You know, someone comes and says, oh, we got a third testament. You go, yeah, yeah, no. This is the end. So, you... You've got to put this in the context that Gabriel's coming to Zechariah and the words that he says and everything about it says we're at the end and all of the Old Testament is now beginning to be fulfilled. Zechariah is a priest. We find out just a little about him. We've got the time frame. What's the time frame? in the days of Herod, the king of Judah. Um, so we've got the time place. We've got, or we've got the time. We've got the place, the temple. We've got the chief people, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Gabriel. Zechariah, he's a priest. Elizabeth, however, gets a little more... Um, uh, uh, is, uh, we got more about her. In fact, Zachariah married up. (laughs) What about her? Daughter of Aaron. Daughter of Aaron. Whoa. Um, Okay. Um, We see that uh, she's not just a part, you know, she's the daughter of one of the priests. Um, Verse 6, they're described as being righteous. that mean? They're looking forward to the fulfillment. Wow, Dan. (laughs) I I was going to ask you just how holy they were. You know, I mean, usually when you speak about righteous, Mm -hmm. you know, people start thinking what? How good they were. How good are they? Right? And Dan doesn't describe their good works at all. He wasn't born Lutheran, I don't believe. Would anyone? 
<laughs> yeah, all it takes is a little catechism. Yeah. Many years. Dan describes them concerning their belief in the promised Savior. Yeah, that's what righteous is. When the scriptures describe righteous, we're all rotten sinners. Elizabeth and Zechariah 2. When it says righteous, it's saying their sins are forgiven. They were believers in Jesus. They trusted in him. Righteousness comes by faith. That's it. Justified by by faith. No other way. And so they are righteous before God. If we saw them, well, you know, they're going to look like us. Um, we also know, though, and now the next part does describe, once you're righteous by faith and trust in Christ, they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Blameless is a word that describes our walk in Christ. And so it's true. Faith produces works. And it produces those who come and hear the word of God, uh, who follow his word, but there's a problem. No, no children. No child. Elizabeth is barren, and they're beyond the age of having kids. Uh, the time of women had ceased uh, for her, and um, and they're they're old. Uh, is this a problem? Yes, it is. In fact, I don't know. This this is. The goal, the purpose of marriage, to bring forth children. And in the Old Testament, um, this is the way in which the Savior is going to come. And so they're looking forward to to this. Um, It it would be a source of of concern. Um, And some might even say that, that there's a problem with them. This lets us know there is no problem. This is not a punishment. This is not... Sometimes things come upon us, and they are not punishments. Now, the custom, he went in, he offered the incense, um, the people are outside waiting, and they're going, what is going on in there? Um, It's taking a long time. Uh, We find... The angel of the Lord appears to him. He stands on the right side. The right side? Believers. Uh-huh. What now? For believers. For what? The believers? right side for believers. Close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We always... I mean, when we describe the right side, it is the side that the gospel of the is read on in the altar. It's the side of fulfillment. It's when you sit at the right hand, it is the, you know. And so this is to announce the gospel, the good news, um, the, the, the right side. Zechariah saw it. He was troubled and fear fell upon him. If he was a real believer, would he not have had fear? Doesn't matter who you are. When Daniel appears, Daniel saw when Daniel kind of he fell on his face out of terror. Yes, everybody does. Everybody does. This is exactly what needs to happen. Except, have you have you heard these like visions? You know that uh, 
uh, the, the heathen that, that tell us about how they died and, oh, yeah. and they went to heaven and they saw. Do any of them describe great fear? Oh, no. no. It's always it's a, a warm warming fear. light and everything's great. And, and I go, that's just not the and way. I don't know what you saw, well. but everyone else. Man, you know, <laughs> no, if you tell me about a vision, you fell in fear, I'll, I'll listen a little bit more. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, you struggle. You fall in fear. Why? Because you realize your sinfulness. That's what we realize. Um, even those who are in the presence of God, as Gabriel describes himself, when he comes with the reflected vision of God, even that is of, of fear to him. And so, what's always the first thing that the angel says? <laughs> you know, that, you know, yeah. I mean, if an angel comes to me and doesn't say, do not fear, it's probably not from God. Think about this. All right, so, do not fear. And he says, your prayer is heard. He went in to make the prayers that were for God's people. Um, But the angel says what? Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call his name John. John... You know, I, I'm, I'm imagining that, you know, the um, the 16-year-old John and, and or Zachariah and Elizabeth, you know, thought they would have kids, and probably by 21, John, uh, Zachariah is praying for children, uh, but now... You know, when Zachariah is 50 and the life expectancy is 62, and he and his wife, you know, can't have not been able to have a child, couldn't have passed that. When the angel comes and says, All right, your prayer is heard, I'm pretty sure John wasn't in there at that time saying, Oh, please make my 60 year old (laughs) wife Elizabeth pregnant. And when the angel comes out and said, all right, you got what you asked for. <laughs> and John's going, what? Um, I wanted that a long time ago. But that's what's said. Well, he has to be having, wait a minute, I've heard this story before. <laughs> moments. I mean, he's a priest. I was like, oh. All right. So we have had Old Testament stories in which there are those who are given an angel comes and tells them that they're barren and they're going to. And so you have uh, um, uh, those as well with Samuel and, and some of these. I'm just thinking he's in there praying for the promise to be fulfilled. And this is part of the promise. Very good, very good. So he's praying for the fulfillment of the promise. This is the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise. And there has to be a forerunner so that there can be the promise. And so, yes, that's what's going on. Um, When the angel says that your wife is going to have a a child, yeah, I'm sure this is shocking. Um, You will have joy and gladness. Parental joy and gladness. Perfect. Perfect. But not just that. This birth is not just for you guys. Many will rejoice. This is for the joy of the people. This is so that this is not just about you and Elizabeth. 
You are praying for the fulfillment of all things. It's now coming, and by his coming, it will bring joy to the people of God, everyone. What are we going to know? He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. We're going to have a kind of a Nazarite vow uh, concerning placed upon them, where they say, listen, you know, he is not going to have wine or strong drink. Um, This being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is going to come up again and again in this infancy narrative. Um, as we're going through this, you know, Zechariah, we're going to pass the Holy Spirit. John's going to get the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is going to have it. Mary's going to have the Holy Spirit. I mean, wow. Um, the other thing that's interesting, and I may get back, uh, normally when it mentions spirit, it usually has the word power in connection with it. And the reason I mention that is there's no power that's apart from the Holy Spirit. It's always, it will come upon you in the spirit of, in the spirit and power of, and there's there's always a power kind of usually that goes with it. Spirit and, and, and power. Okay, so he's going to come and he's going to turn them. Turn them. This is repentance. Repentance is always a turning of God's uh, of someone uh, and uh, Elijah he's the one in the Old Testament we can go back to I'm going to kind of rush through just a little bit we can turn to it but Elijah is the one that comes with the big showdown who are you going to worship are you going to worship the true God and the prophets of Baal come and, and then Elijah come he's the one that has this great turning we're going to turn people back that's the one who's going to come He is going to fulfill Malachi chapter 5, and we're going to talk about the wisdom of the just. Uh, That's a catechetical kind of thing. We're going to teach you wisdom. And a people prepared for the Lord. We can go back to Isaiah, where we can see, in fact, we're going to see that John pretty well goes about his ministry reading Isaiah and doing what Isaiah says. Isaiah is his prophet. It is the one that sets down what he's going to do. He's going to be the voice. Verse 18. How shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is beyond childbearing. Seems like a good question. In fact, you see a similar question by Mary. Um, And the angel Gabriel answers her as well. So why didn't Mary get struck with dumbness? Yeah. <laughs> right. He's a guy. I mean, he had a, he had a real reason. You know? Right. Exactly. Um, our Lutheran confessions do a real good job of explaining uh, the difference between Peter and Judas. And these two, there's some similar. Peter falls, Judas falls. Peter comes back, you know, we might say, confessing. We have Judas going back to them and saying, here, have the gold, you know, silver back and, and all. And then the endings are different. But it looks 
strikingly similar, and our Lutheran confessions go and say, listen, there is one which is not repentance at all. It is one that is not trusting in the gospel. That's the difference, though they look alike. Exactly. These look so much alike, I can't tell the difference. But evidently Gabriel can. And Gabriel looks at this and says, this one was done in doubt, and Mary's was not done in doubt. Mary's was simply saying, so how does this work? You know, you say I'm going to have a child, but I, you know, does that mean I go get a husband? And does that mean I didn't? No, no, no. And explains. So to one, there's an explanation. To the other one, there is, okay, um, you ask this, you will be mute because you did not believe. Mary's is the question and belief, his is not. I can't tell the difference. Maybe Gabriel's like, you're a priest, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hold them to a higher standard, don't you? You've seen um, this before. <laughs> right, I expect you to know. Exactly. Oh, alright, so, um, the answer to the question is, I'm in the presence of God. He identifies himself, he says that he's one, he says, I am sent, and why am I sent? These glad tidings. Angel Gabriel, I'm going to tell you these glad tidings. Uh, then um, uh, Mary mentions this in the Magnificat. We're going to have the angels come and give the good news of great joy that will be to all the people. You're going to see this reference to the gospel. The glad, the good news is going to come again and again and again. Here it is uh, mentioned again. Uh, why is Zechariah mute? One, yeah, a, a scolding. Um, because you did not. Is he a believer? Yeah. Did you believe these words? No. Um, is it done to keep things quiet? Oh, Elizabeth is in for, for five months and, and whatever. There's always kind of a secrecy that goes with the gospel, and it may be that until the time comes, oh, it's kind of Does it, by the secrecy, though, does it mean that it's not going to go forward? No, when he comes out, what happens? It actually draws more attention. It actually draws more attention because when there's a secret... Oh, come on, tell me the secret. I want to know the secret. Why not? You know. uh, um, and so God knows this as, as well. Uh, there's something else unusual uh, when Zachariah comes out. He's going to be mute. Um, he had seen a vision. They figured it out. Because he could not to them. Um, he could not speak. He remained speechless. That's the answer. Um, that's it. His days of service are done. It's completed. He departs and leaves. He goes to his own house. Later on, Elizabeth conceives. Um, you know, she is not. She does not have a child from the Holy Spirit. This comes from. Uh, Zachariah, and uh, then we have Elizabeth 
saying, The Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. When God looks upon us, he gives us blessing. He, his face shines upon us uh, in, in, mm-hmm. in these. Uh, John leaves the temple in Luke. Do we get back to the temple? Hmm. Huh. We start in the temple. Jesus. There are a couple things, but primarily the big return to the temple doesn't happen until Jesus comes at the end. And did the Palm Sunday and his entry in and his returning to the temple. So um, there is there is as well more that, that goes with that. Uh, the birth of John is done, or, or the the foretelling of his of his birth. Questions? I have a comment. Yes. Zachariah, what did he forget? One important thing in the Old Testament that Zechariah forgot. Abraham and Sarah. Why was this such a shock to him? They're only 60. Abraham and Sarah were pretty close to 100. Didn't he remember that? Well, a lot of people have won the lottery. If I won, I'd still be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But you you wouldn't doubt you won it. The birth of Jesus foretold. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. <coughs> we got the time. Six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy. We've got the place, Nazareth, the city of Galilee named Nazareth. We've got the people, and Gabriel's back. And we got two new ones, Joseph and Mary. Elizabeth. A lot was mentioned about her, and not as much about Zachariah again. With this one, Joseph, he's of the house of David. Ah, what's that let us know? Right, lineage. The lineage, the son of David. David is the king. It's going to be a king in David's line. And that's what we hear about. Mary? Um... She's a virgin. That's all we know. Kind of, I mean, kind of, uh, you, you would expect. I mean, she's pretty important. She's huge. Um, and, and yet Luke, I don't know, kind of slights her at the beginning. Just doesn't tell us. Um, well, surprising? Not really, because there was only one prerequisite for the situation. It was to be a virgin. He was like, she's a virgin. Check that box. Keep moving on. Then go on to the, have to have the correct lineage. So that's why they go into conversation about Joseph. But 
in the trade-off, you don't really hear much about Joseph after this point, but you hear a lot about Mary later on. That is very true. So, we get the most important thing right off the bat. Other things are going to mention. It is interesting that again and again, it mentions the virginity of Mary. This is important. This is not about morality. What's it about? Prophecy. It's about prophecy. This is about Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9. This is about the virgin will conceive and bear a child. This is that virgin. This is the one who fulfills it. And because of that, Jesus can be born without sin. His Father is our Heavenly Father. And so we're going to find out about uh, uh, that as well. Okay, so having come in, uh, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. This is the announcement. This is the kairate, kairate, rejoice uh, in, in Greek. Um, this is, uh, goes back to the rejoicing that we see in Isaiah. Uh, rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Uh, there is, uh, and, and so later, when she goes, well, what kind of greeting is this? It's not that she's, you know, it's, it's that, is this what I think it is? Is this, is this the fulfillment by this greeting? It sure sounds like the fulfillment of everything that has gone on in the Old Testament. Um, what about this highly favored one? Definitely highly favored by God. I mean, that is a she's going to be the mother. She's going to be the mother of God. She's going to be. She's being given. Ah, what's going on? When Lutherans look at this, we don't say, "Oh, she was so good that God gave her something." We say, "No, it's the exact opposite." She was favored because God gave her something. Right. By God's giving her, she is highly favored. And she has been without merit, without, you know, been given all of this. Um, and I think that's why Luke begins with, and, and yes, Mary was a model of, of piety. But that's not the important thing. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that uh, God chose one who was a um, uh, peasant girl of sorts, and he favored her by giving her all of this gift, that she would be the chosen one. It's like in our calendar, Mary Theotokos, bearer of God. There is no higher honor. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, the Lord is with you. You're supposed to respond. And, and with you. This is liturgy, isn't it? This is liturgical. Uh, um, and so what is what is being pronounced? Um, the, the messenger from God comes and gives out a message. Uh, the people, just as the pastor sent by God, he's come to give a message. The people respond. Um, she has a role to play. 
and the Lord is with her in that she is the highly favored one, she's the chosen one. In fact, you are the one who are blessed among women more than any any other. Um, uh, that's why we refer to her as the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, that that she she deserves great great honor in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm getting confused again. Uh, I've always assumed that Mary was also in the lineage of David, but it doesn't say so here. It not does later, later but not here. Oh, okay. You are right. It doesn't matter right. though, because because her son's going to be of his father David, so that's that's an implication that she is actually. Right. The, yes, it's right. got to be, but because it doesn't actually say it. It 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 hints of him, but then later we're going to yeah, it, it does. Uh-huh. How were she and Elizabeth cousins? Because Elizabeth is from the house of Aaron. She's from the house of David. Yeah, and they're referred to as related, as cousins of, of sorts. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how that works. Sorry. They don't really explain it. I know. Um, we do have a couple. Now, there are some traditions that, you know, have Mary having a mother, Anna, you know, and, and going. But but the um, uh, most of those are quite late. I mean, you... It's, it's hard to try, you know, if, if you don't have something in 200 A.D., it's probably... Just someone's theory, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, her father could have been from the house of David, her mother could have been from the house of Aaron. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, all right. Yes. Uh, uh, her question, because I have had this question also about Joseph being of the house of David, because Joseph wasn't really his father. Right. So is that the reason Mary had to be from the house of David? Yeah. So why was it? Why did, was it mentioned here? Because yeah. here it sounds like because Joseph is from the house of David, then this is the, this is the promised king. So why is this mentioned here? Yeah. Um, Joseph is the guardian, uh, similar to you might say that we are adopted as children of God. He is adopted to be the father and is put in charge. Um, technically would have have had to have been, I guess probably not, but according to, you know, the way things go, the Holy Spirit makes it so that both of them have a, a lineage and that, and, and he is then given that role. You're going to name the child, you're going to take Mary, you're going to protect, and he does his job. I mean, he takes them to Egypt, he brings them back, he does what needs to happen. So I guess also being of the house of David he would have understood that the Christ was coming from the house of David. Yes. Well, and that way there's no argument for anybody. It also is the reason that they get to um, Bethlehem. <laughs> um, because it comes because of his. So. I was just going to say, it's just legality in this society. Uh-huh. Well, it, it, this is all important because what's it doing? It's proven that the Old Testament is true. All of this stuff proves that the Old Testament is true. Because everything that was prophesied comes true in Luke 1 and 2. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have to wrap that up. Let me make sure I got um, the... Okay, um, 
we got Mary, uh, we got uh, Gabriel's announcement to her. When she saw him, she was troubled at his sin, consider what manner of greeting this was. Uh, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Right. And so we have the fear that goes with it, as well as the concern uh, about her being the bearer. Um, probably the last thing. The angel Gabriel is going to explain what this greeting is and how it will come about, and that's where it's all going to be foretold. But you can already see, and it's been lined out, uh, the great distinction, and, and it's a scriptural distinction, why we as Lutherans talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary. She is a vessel, not a dispenser. Got it? She is the vessel of which it is poured into her the blessings. And for that we give her honor. She is the instrument. She is the Theotokos, the God-bearer. She is all... Uh, yes, absolutely. And we're going to say that... Well, let me... Okay. And we're going to see that she then becomes a model for us as the church as a whole as well as individually. Because we wish to receive the gifts. We want to believe the word and say, let it be to me as you have said. And so these canticles that we sing, that, that you know, particularly her Magnificat, we take it on and say, yes, we're just like her. We wish to receive Jesus. Let him be born to me this day, as I believe. Not, she is the dispenser where we go to her to get stuff. The scriptures don't speak that way. You know, um, in fact, even our Lutheran confessions kind of say, you know, of course we give her honor. But if you want to go to her to get stuff, she would scold you and say, don't turn me into that. Where do we go? We go to our Savior, Jesus. He's the one who's giving out his gifts, and he does it in his own way. He dispenses in the word and in the sacraments. Okay, we're out of time. We'll uh, stop there. We'll move up to uh, our next step next time. Brian. Do you think Luke got this account from Mary or just the other disciples? Good question. Um, we find that Luke is the one who gives us information about these two births that none of the other Gospels have. So... Uh, despite him being with Paul and with Mark, which we know from the book of Acts, he had to have gotten these things from the women. And so we, we got the account of the women in, 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 in his account. And I think that's why when he gets to the beginning, he says, all right, look, I, I, I did some research and I talked to people and I got, it, I got the understanding. So, yes, he's getting it from them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the person of your Son, all of the Old Testament is fulfilled. We thank you for the preparation which you have made that, the, that your way might come to us. And on this day, we give thanks uh, as we remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he is uh, uh, the 
the heart of you. He is your love being shown to us, that we might receive him as the Savior, and being born again through our baptism, we might enjoy eternal life with him and you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.